welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, here this week to study with you in Doctrine and Covenants sections 67 through 70, back with another summer mini episode. Today we're going to be talking about abundance, and not just abundance, but even that spiritual and divine abundance, um, and maybe a little less or more than the traditional telling of abundance, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an interesting story in church history that we're reading about this week. Um, it's November 1831, and Joseph calls a conference of elders in Hiram, Ohio, to propose the idea that the revelations, many of the revelations that have been received, be printed and published in what will be known as the Book of Commandments. The desire for this is, if you remember from previous weeks, Ezra Booth, who left the church and then started writing these critical letters about Joseph Smith and church members and church organization uh, in a local newspaper, one of the critiques that Ezra Booth has leveled against the church is that they keep their revelations secret. And no one knows about them. And so Joseph uh, desires to print them, publish them, and let other people know. And there's some pushback from other elders of the church. And so they collectively desire to know what God's will is about this. And so that's the genesis behind many of these sections. Of course, there's individual stories wound in and around. But in all of the revelations that come about this, there comes the idea of abundance and stewardship, which are companion principles. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. To start, I want to share an allegory. This comes from John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, uh, a kind of elongated Christian allegory written in the 1600s, late 1600s. And in that story is told the, the story of a man, and I'm quoting now from Pilgrim's Progress, a man that could look no way but downwards, with a muck rake in his hand. There stood also one over his head, with a celestial crown in his hand, and proffered him that crown for his muck rake. But the man did neither look up nor regard, but raked to himself the straws, the small sticks, and dust of the floor. The, there's an interpreter in this story, and the interpreter says, that this muckrake doth show the man's carnal mind. And whereas thou seest him rather give heed to rake up straws and sticks and the dust of the floor, than to do what he says that calls him from above with the celestial crown in his hand, it is to show that heaven is but as a fable to some, and that things here are counted the only things substantial. Now, whereas it was also showed thee that the man could look no way but downwards, it is to let thee know that earthly things, when they are with power upon men's minds, quite carry their hearts away from God. In section 70, there are a couple of elders, including Joseph Smith, who are commanded to be stewards over the revelations meaning they're going to take these revelations, carry them to Zion, to W.W. Phelps Printing Press, and then actually print them. And the question comes up, what is to be done with the proceeds from the sale of the Book of Commandments? 
And the Lord instructs in section 70 that the proceeds from the sale of the Book of Commandments are to uh, follow the law of consecration already laid out. And so um, these stewards over the revelation will be given sufficient for their needs and their wants, it says in verse 7. And then the abundance, whatever's left over, should be given to the church to take care of the poor and the needy. And then the Lord explains this principle. Verse 12. He who is appointed to administer spiritual things, the same is worthy of his hire, even as those who are appointed to a stewardship to administer in temporal things. Yea, even more abundantly, which abundance is multiplied unto them through the manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, there is such thing as temporal abundance. I have enough for my needs and my wants. But what the Lord is saying is there is also a spiritual abundance, and that spiritual abundance supersedes temporal abundance. What God can give us is more than what we can acquire through our own labors and efforts. And then this in verse 14, Nevertheless, in your temporal things you shall be equal, and this not grudgingly. Otherwise, the abundance of the manifestations of the Spirit shall be withheld. In other words, if you want that kind of spiritual and divine abundance, if you want, as the Lord says in section 67, verse 2, if you want the riches of eternity, which are His to give, if you want that, you have to be willing to give up or give of your temporal abundance to those around you. And isn't it interesting? I mean, I am a student of abundance. I know that it's kind of a buzzword right now for what abundance really means, this abundance mentality. And I'm fascinated by it myself and still trying to figure out exactly how it all works. But I do like this process of thinking of it as the stewardship and the abundance, and what it means when um, when God uses the term in this way. In fact, I think um, you linking together those two words is important, stewardship and abundance. In the Lord's eyes, everything temporal has been given us as a stewardship. I don't own anything on this earth. I didn't create it. I didn't make it. It's all made by God for use by man. And so I have a stewardship over those temporal things. What's interesting is this thing that I don't own, that God has given me to use, he commands me to be generous with, to give to others, to help and to sustain. If I do that, he promises to give me the riches of eternity and kingdoms of glory, to give those to me so that they do become mine, that I do possess eternity. So he's asking me to give up something that I don't actually own, so that he can give me something that I didn't actually earn. That's it. And one of the things that I is clear in my mind as I build my faith and study the scriptures is that God works in abundance. And I like the way that this these scriptures or the voice of the Lord is solidifying that, that even more abundantly, which abundance is multiplied unto them through the manifestations of the spirit that he sees and he knows that there is plenty to go around. And unfortunately, sometimes man doesn't see it that way <laughs> most often, right? Um, so the question that we can use this week to invest our minds and hearts into our study this week is this. 
what spiritual abundance do I want? And what temporal abundance can I give? And I think that, again, thinking of it in terms of what we see this week is that God is very willing to help us even shift our mindset into what abundance really means for us personally. Well, and that there's a somewhat converse relationship between temporal abundance and spiritual abundance. In other words, um, according to the law of consecration, you cannot both own great temporal treasures and also be given great spiritual treasures. If you have been given great temporal wealth, the law of consecration requires that we give of that excess or that abundance to others so that we can inherit the spiritual glories that God wants to give us. But if we insist on clinging to and holding on to our temporal wealth, then there's no room left for that spiritual wealth. It, this is this is a dumb analogy, um, but I heard a joke years ago that I retell to my kids rolling their eyes and everyone else thinking it's not very funny. But there's a man uh, that is very, very wealthy in his life. And he writes in his will that what he wants done with his property, his, his incredible wealth, is he wants everything to be liquidated into gold bars. And then those gold bars put in a suitcase and him buried with that gold. So upon his death, they oblige his requests and he's buried with a suitcase full of gold. He shows up at the pearly gates. He's got a suitcase of gold. He gets there and St. Peter says, welcome to heaven. You're allowed one carry-on item. And the man says, great, I've got it right here. And St. Peter says, wonderful. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just open it up. Let me see what you have decided to bring to heaven with you. And the man opens up this suitcase, very proudly turns it around to St. Peter. And St. Peter looks at it with a confused face, scratches his head, and then looks back at the man and says, you brought street paving material with you to heaven? Because the streets are paved with gold. Cue laugh track. Ha, 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 ha. That's not a very good laugh track, is it? We need a real one. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but the idea being, um, if God truly owns and has created worlds without number and has all of that at his disposal, um, it's really silly for us to try and cling to those temporal things that God can so easily create and give. Um, what we should be focused on is these kind of riches of eternity that often can only come when we develop the kind of personality and character where we give freely and take care of others. See what I mean? This abundance is just such a cool principle to think about, um, but also kind of that mind blowing of like, wow, how does God really work? But I think that's that's what I'm taking mostly from this is that feeling that God has abundance and wants us to feel that too. Well, with all of that, then a way that we can practically connect ourselves more to God using this principle in section 68, there's a small little uh, section where parents in Zion are told that if they don't, it's very well known, if you don't teach your children, then the sin be upon the heads of the parents. But then there's this in verse 31. I, the Lord, am not well pleased with the inhabitants of Zion, for there are idlers among them, and their children are also growing up in wickedness. They also seek not earnestly the riches of eternity, but their eyes are full of greediness. As I thought of that, I thought, um, 
you know, it's there's certainly a greediness when it comes to material wealth and possessions, but I wondered if in our modern day, greediness might look a little bit different. Well, we talk about the similarities between abundance and stewardship, but I think greediness is also that of that there's not enough, so I have to hurry and hoard it all for myself. And I think that there's so many things today that we can do to take ourselves out of that greediness factor. And I think one of them is first thinking of abundance as that there's a lot to go around. For example, at today, I think there's a heavy emphasis placed on success, successfulness. Uh, our world is very competitive. And so when we look at our children or our families, there's, there's a lot of avenues for them to compete and to become successful. And if we're not careful, the pursuit, the greedy pursuit of success is one that might rob us from being able to have um, those kind of eternal riches that the Lord promises in verse 31. And he just says in verse 32, these things ought not to be. We can't be so focused on the muckrakes, whether that muckrake is money uh, or possessions or success or competitive advantage. We can't be so focused on the muckrake that we fail to notice and give heed to the angel that's standing over our head with a crown of glory saying, I, I can give you so much more if you just look up and stop honing in on those temporal things that aren't worth your time. And time is another interesting one too, because we are all given the same amount of time. We're all given that same abundance to start with. And so deciding where we're going to be spending our time, I think is one good way that we can connect to God in this part of the episode where we're inviting you to do something, not just teach your children um, about greediness, about time and abundance, but also teaching ourselves what does that mean and how can we be more abundant in our thinking and maybe a little less greedy as we approach our spirituality and our temporal belongings. Thank you so much for studying with us, and we wish you a wonderful week. Thank you.